I want to welcome you all to Shiloh tonight. Welcome to this wonderful Bible study. I'm excited to be here with you tonight to share in the word of the living God. I'm just so blessed and impressed by what God has done. Let me just thank God for Minister Robin Harris standing in for my stead last week. What a beautiful job she did. It's hard to believe that she just started preaching a few years ago and God is using her and she is studying the word and you can see it in her presentation. She was ready. And then on Sunday morning, I'm just so grateful to Pastor Johnny Burns. Johnny Burns, new life, what a word, what a word. He came in the house, and I'm just delighted that he was able to be with us on Sunday morning. He blessed us on Sunday, the Father's fight. What a blessing. And I'm so grateful to be here with you tonight. I love you all with the love of the Lord. I want to spend a few minutes with you in the Word tonight. I feel like I want to teach a little bit and thank God for the anointing to do so. So join me in prayer. Let's pray. Let's get ready to go before the Lord. Father, we honor you. We thank you for who you are and for all your many blessings. We ask that you speak to me, speak through me, use me for your glory. Have your way. And God, we thank you for the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, the accepting your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I want to start tonight in a strange place, and I want to start by making a confession. I want to make a confession. And those that know me know this confession already. I may never said it to them publicly, but I'll make the confession right now. And that is that I hate conflict. I detest conflict. I don't like to argue. I don't like to argue with people. Um, I really don't like profanity. Uh, whether you say it in jest or say it out of anger, I just, I dislike conflict. I really don't like it. I don't like confrontations. I don't, I don't, you know, um, and, and so even though they're, they happen in life, <clears throat> I just, I do anything to avoid them, but whatever I can. I'm always trying to make peace. Always want to find a solution. Uh, I always see the best in people. Um, sometimes to, to my own detriment, and sometimes to the upsetment of others. Um, Deacon Story used to get mad at me. Deacon Story was senior deacon years ago. Uh, the wonderful father of Pat and Miriam, uh, just a great man of God, long mother of Virginia Story. And Deacon Story used to get mad. He's called me Good Time Charlie. He said, uh, because of the fact that I would never get in conflict and I would always try to get along with folk, it, it used to get on his nerves. Uh, you would think that he was a former drill sergeant the way he would be rough. And, and we were the antithesis of each other, which made us work very well together, you know. Uh, and it, it is something where not wanting conflict can be a mistake and it can also be a blessing because it means that you try to fulfill the scripture to follow peace with all men, follow peace with all people. That's, that's where the non, the avoidance of conflict comes from. It comes from the idea of follow peace with all people. And you don't get to pick people. You don't get to pick people, so you try to follow peace with people of different religions, with people of different lifestyles or different thoughts about life, people who live in a different way than you live, who may uh, have uh, various faith backgrounds that come in conflict with your own faith background. But you want to follow peace with everyone. But there are times, having said that as the backdrop, there are times when confrontations cannot 
be avoided. And so I want to say it, confrontations cannot always be avoided. Just a matter of life. You keep living long enough and sooner or later, you're going to get into it with somebody. Sooner or later, you're going to have a conflict, you're going to have a confrontation, and let's be honest, you're going to have to handle your business. You're going to have to deal with life. And so this series called Living Faith in Stressful Times, this is the 13th iteration of it. Tonight I'm focusing on this idea of conflicts and confrontations. And in this we want to look at how Jacob handled his confrontation, maybe as a model for something we can look at possibly doing with an understanding that God is always with us. He's always uh, blessing us and working with us to get through anything. That God's will is always, is always being done in the earth realm uh, by those that love him. And so we know that God is always making provisions even when we can't see the face of God, we can see the hand of God by the handiwork of God through God's own people. And it's important to note that. And so I want to I lift up this scripture. I want to start down Genesis 31, beginning at verse 22. And if you look at this, and, and I want to just simply tag this first issue here that comes up in the text. I want to tag it as accusations accusations. In life, people will make accusations. Whether right or wrong, they'll make an accusation. Now, sometimes you make an accusation and it is completely wrong. And sometimes there's, there's some truth in an accusation. But accusations come. And notice in this particular portion, portion we start here, that the accusation that's getting ready to come from Laban comes from a man who is charging after Jacob and his family. And if the text is correct, he has accumulated his relatives, his servants, and he is rolling deep. He's rolling deep. I think the first goal of that, rolling with a large posse like that, is that he wants to intimidate him. Second goal is, if you jump, I'm ready to crush you like a bug. He's rolling deep. He's coming to fight. And what the people that Jacob has with him are no match for the power that is coming in the physical that is with Laban. Now, it's important you get this because, see, you have to know that being overmatched by adversaries is nothing new by systems, by systemic problems, by systemic issues is nothing new. We are forever overmatched. We are always, many times, in the David and Goliath position where Goliath may be bigger, stronger, and may have more armament, but just because we're in the David place does not mean we are by ourselves or without battle armament to handle the conflict. He comes rolling deep and the Bible says that while he is rushing to him, before he even gets to him, God does to him the same thing he does to Abimelech, and God speaks to him by dream. 
Now we know that he believes in the mystic, in mysticism. We know he believes in mediums. We know he believes in something other beyond himself, the supernatural, so that in his community, a dream would convey a message and he gets the dream that God says, speak neither good nor bad. Now that, that phraseology there, which is in verse 24, speak good nor bad, is simply to say, you cannot place value on this, good or bad. You cannot demean this, good or bad. Your judgment is not worthy of my son, good or bad. You have nothing you can do to him. You can go to him, but you cannot speak a word of judgment against him because you're not in a place to judge him. Only God can judge him. Only I can judge him. That's what God is saying. You, you're not in that place. And I've already made a divine judgment for him. And that divine judgment has already said he is blessed. And you're not going to reverse it. So I'm going to keep you from messing up by telling you in advance, don't dare touch what I've already blessed. Now notice Jacob has pitched his tent. And when he pitched his tent, he comes now, Laban comes to him in verse 26. And here's Laban's speech, and this is important. It's, it's amazing how he has one of the longest speeches in the Old Testament. And, and he's not even a major character, it's a long speech. Listen to what he says. He, Laban said to Jacob, verse 26, what do you mean by deceiving me? Boy, is that the pot calling the kettle black? And leaving without my knowledge and carrying off my daughters as if they were captives of the sword. Why did you run away secretly and deceive me and not tell me? So that otherwise I might have sent you away with joy, with songs, with music on the tambourine and lyre. You know, come on man, you know you weren't going to do that. And why did you not allow me to kiss my, my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye? I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Now you have done a foolish thing in behaving like this. It is within my power to harm you. I, what he says is, in my flesh, I have the ability to harm you. But then he has that great cosmic conjunction there. But God. The God of your father spoke to me last night. And since God spoke to me, what is in my power of the flesh has now been put under subjection by the power of the divine God. Now verse 30. Now I suppose you felt you must go because you were homesick for your father's house and family. But why did you steal my household gods? Now this is important. He says, I'm going to make an excuse. Now, he's got all his relatives with him. He's got all his boys with him. He's he ready to throw down. He said, I guess you left because you, you feel homesick. Well, there's nothing in the text that said Jacob was feeling homesick. Although, of course, he would love to see his family again. No, God told him to leave. He knew it was time to get out of jail. But he asked that question, what made you take my household God? Now, in, in retrospect, it, this, this stealing of the gods, these household idols, 
now gives him a, a ploy to say, I have been offended. This other ploy does not work. You can't just say, I stole your daughters. No, if, if you want to be honest about it, you, you actually sold your daughters through 14 years of labor. I worked seven for one daughter, you gave me a different daughter, and worked seven to get the daughter I wanted. You're, no, I didn't steal anything. I have given you a dowry of labor. So there's no stealing here. And I didn't take them by the sword. I took them by the labor of my brow. I took them by hard work and industry. I gave to you. But notice what he does. The accusation is made. And instead of him getting upset, instead of him, you know, some of y'all, some people, not, not necessarily personally at your house in front of your computer or, or iPhone or, or Android right now, but some people, when someone had come up to them like that, would have been ready to just plain old cuss them out. This is a good place to cuss them out. Yeah, some people deserve to be told off. And, and let me just say this. There are times in our lives when certain people can get on our last nerve. I don't know what the last nerve is, but you, are, you know what I mean. They can get you to that place where you just really think that you want to say, I declare something ought to be said. Something needs to be, somebody needs to tell them a thing. You better get out of my face. I'm about to lose my mind. You're about to lose my, you better, hey, you don't have to go home, but you better get out of my face. You better get up out of here. Listen, but instead, from the accusations, he makes an accommodation. And so we have this accommodation. And every now and then, You've got to be willing to say, mm, I don't know what you're talking about, and I have nothing to hide. So let's see what, where this is going. So what he says is, in effect, search me, search all my family. We have nothing to hide. Now, you know he had nothing to do with, with anything wrong because he didn't know what Rachel had done. Let's pick it up at verse 31. This is interesting here. Jacob said, I have left. Uh, he says, I have left because I was afraid for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. Verse 32. The one with whom you find your gods shall not live in the presence of our relatives. You search my possessions and point out whatever you find that belongs to you and take it. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the idols. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and he began to search. He went in the tent of the maids. He went in everywhere. Now Rachel, with her little sneaky self, it's amazing. If, if he had caught her with those idols and had killed his baby mama, the one he had worked and loved so dearly with the beautiful eyes, he'd have lost his ever-loving mind. I don't know how God protected them from this mess. Sneaky child went and stole those idols. Now Rachel had taken the household idols. I'm in verse 34. Put them in the camel's saddlebag and sat on them. And Laban searched all through her tent. And then when he got to her, she then said, uh, verse 35, 
I'm skipping around, so don't think I can't read. I'm just reading the important parts here. She said, don't be displeased, my Lord, that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is on me, and I am unwell. That ends the search. That ends the search. I ought to tell you something. You know, <laughs> by Jewish standards, the fact that she would take those idols and put them on the back of a camel, an animal that the Jewish people believed to be unclean, tells you just how much the writer of the text thought about those idols and what she really thought about those idols. They didn't have any real meaning because if they thought, if that was an unclean thing, she put them right on top of an unclean thing. Those things would have been unceremonial, uh, unclean from the moment she sat on them. She, she sat on them claiming that it was it was after the, the time of women and if you don't understand that you probably just need to mature a little bit you'll get it and you think about it she, she she's already sat them that already has already made them non non useful for ceremonial use but then she sat on them on top of an unclean animal you know what a couple things I want to make note of first of all I want to make note of the fact that I wondered, I was with my wife yesterday, we were riding and I, we were talking, I said, this text bothered me, why in, why in the heaven's name would you have to, would she steal those idols? Why, 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 why are you going to steal, she went in her daddy's tent and snuck out the idols. You know, I'll point to this in a moment, but later Jacob will have to get rid of all those idols and all that mess from out the camp and purify his household. Those idols would have to go. He didn't know then, but later on you're going to find out he's got to get rid of every one of those things. Why in the world would you steal? Why did you take the idols, girl? Why did you steal it? Now, the Amplified gives a note. And the Amplified note suggests that the reason why she would have taken the idols is that in the land where, where Laban lived, whoever had the idols was being passed the inheritance of the family so that a son-in-law could appear with the household idols or gods and could go in and take possession of the land or inherit the land or wealth. Well, that doesn't work. That doesn't make a lot of logical sense. Number one, Jacob doesn't want the land. He's trying to get out the land. He's trying to leave, so he doesn't want it. So someone says, well, no, she's, she got it for her son so that Joseph, her son, would be able to get the land. Something. No, that, it, it's not all that logical, although it is a truth about that land that the, the idols was used as one form of inheritance to be passed down and it would show who was the inheritor of the land. Which gives us another idea. It may simply be something as simple as she felt as though she was never going to get her inheritance. Her father, according to the upper part of the text, go back and read from the beginning, their father, Rachel, did most of the talking and Leah did very little in the beginning of the text. So Rachel says, our father has not given us an inheritance, has, has sold us away like property, and we deserve an inheritance. It seems to me, if you read the beginning of the text, like she might have simply been stealing to take something of value. 
to take a rich family heirloom, to take something to compensate her for her life. Now, it's not about inheritance. She's not going to be in the line. Her son's not going to be in the line. She's got brothers. They're already in the line. And women could not inherit land in the same manner. Accommodations would have to be made for her to get. No, it is simply, I think, that she wanted to enrich herself, enrich her household, maybe enrich her son, as compensation, as part of inheritance. Whatever it was, I don't believe it was simply to, 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 to worship those idols. Listen, what, when, what makes me really think that is because if you really read over in Judges chapter 17, Judges 17 verse 4 uh, gives us an interesting idea. In 17 verse 4 says, Then he returned the silver to his mother. Then his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the silversmith and he made it into a carved image and molded the image and they were the, in the house of Micah. Let me tell you something. The, the, what it could be is that these little idols, this trinket could have been valuable silver. Valuable. And she just wanted to take her inheritance. I'm going to tell you this. Jacob wants no part of it. His father, his father's father, Abraham, has left the land. And he's gone to a land that God has shown him. And God has blessed him and enriched him, even having Melchizedek give him a tithe of all that he had to begin his journey of prosperity. He is not going to become prosperous by taking an idol from an idol God or an idol later. He's not going to do that. And eventually, by the time you get to Genesis 35, and verse 4 and 35, Jacob tells them, give me everything related to idols, including any earrings in your ears related to them. And Jacob took them in Genesis 35 and 4, and he put them and buried them and hid them at a base of a tree. Now, this stuff got to leave out of my house. I want to tell you something. There's some things that don't have no business being in your house. You may not know about them when they first get there, but there's some things that are not supposed to be there. Got to go. It's, it can't stay here. It can't stay with my family. We're getting ready to go and pray before God, and I'm not going to be praying before the one true and living God with some idols in here because you couldn't. You were worried about trying to get a little trinket. You're trying to get some cheap silver? I got a God who owns silver and gold. I got a God who has cattle on a thousand hills. I got a God who made the entire world. What am I going to do with a little piece of silver? Do you think my name is Judas? You can't have me set out my God for 30 pieces of silver. But no! My God is greater than that. Get rid of all that junk. And I want to tell somebody, I, got, I, feel, a little, I feel a little something that hit me just then. I, I do believe that anything that comes up against that which you believe that becomes an abomination to your faith ought to be gotten rid of. You ought to get rid of it. It's got to go. It's got to go. Has no reason to be there. None whatsoever. Let, let, me, let, me, let me see if I can compress my claim a little more. This is interesting because not only have she taken the idols, the idols have become an excuse to search everywhere 
when he is unable to find anything, he can't find anything. Then the Bible says that Jacob became angry. Anger and emotions are a fund, are fundamentally human response. Emotions are a fundamentally human response. Put that back on the screen one second, Brother Solomon. Appreciate it. It is, it, it, this is a fundamentally human response. I know people think, hey, no, you, you ought not to get angry. No, 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 not that. that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says be angry but sin not. Let me tell you something. Every now and then, you, you need, you need to, there are some things that need to be said. Every now and then, it's okay. Let me put it like this. Believers are not obligated to be so passive as to allow the enemy to run amok. <clears throat> Every now and then, you got to put the enemy in check. Every now and then, you got you to say, no, 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 we ain't playing that. Uh, well, what's that statement that's going around now? Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. No, no, no. Every now and then you need to say, hey, not today, Satan. You know, you ain't getting away with that one. No, no, no. I'm the, the, the devil is a liar. No, not today. You, you know what? If you get angry and you get out of control, now you got a problem. Uh, that, the one reason why I'm so good at keeping my emotions uh, in terms of getting angry under check, because I know as a large man, if I get mad, you know, there's going to be some furniture moving, whether I intend to move or not. And, 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 and I don't want to harm anybody. I don't want anybody to harm me. Somebody smaller can talk junk and go to yep, 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 and somebody will laugh about it. My size person talk junk and somebody become intimidated and fearful and come out and want to start shooting. You have to realize there's a way in which you handle your anger. There's a way in which you have to keep your emotions under subjection, but it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to laugh. And yes, it's okay to be angry. He said, he looked at him and said, he said to Laban, what is my fault? You, you, you done pursued me like this? Done tracked me down like I was a, some kind of criminal? You done search all my possessions? Haven't found anything? If you got something now, Put it in front of your relatives and my relatives and let them decide between us who's wrong. You got something, bring it out, 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 bring it out. Let me, let me, I need to, I need to bless somebody here. You, 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 you've got to get in the place where you can say, hey, here's my truth. If you don't have the receipts, if you don't have proof, hey, that ain't so. Let's, let's get this straightened out. I, it, you know, I'm just glad that that, that other situation didn't come to, come to light because it would have been a different kind of argument. But in Jacob's mind, not having any knowledge of what Rachel did, he felt righteous indignation over what was taking place. He's, hey, the devil is a liar. You got something, you show it. You got the receipts, bring the receipts. 
If you ain't got the receipts, get, hey, cut it out. Let's bring this down now. And then in verse 38, he does something that, that moves beyond anger. And this is, the, this is the key for you. If you're going to live your faith in stressful times, at some point you got to move beyond your emotions. At some point you got to stop crying. At some point you got to stop yelling. At some point you got to stop cussing. At some point you got to stop screaming to the top of your lungs. At some point you got to stop hollering, oh God, oh Jesus, oh yes. At some point you've got to move from all of that stuff and you've got to be able to advocate for yourself. And he advocates through the testimony of the facts. At some point, you got to be able to say, I'm going I'm to speak up now. I'm going to advocate now. I'm going to put it on the line now. Here's the truth right now. Here, here's, here's my truth. You spoke your truth. I speak my truth. They heard your truth, they can hear my truth. He said, let me tell you something. And here's a bit of hyperbole. He begins to go on. He said, look, I'm going to tell you now. I done did everything I could. Didn't eat any of your animals. You lost none of your young. I took all the loss for you. This is verse 39. Anything that was lost, I took. He said, this is my situation. But verse 40, when it was cold at night, I was out there with your, your stuff. When it was warm during the day, I was with your stuff. I couldn't sleep, but I still took care of your stuff. I served you 14 years for your two daughters. Served you six more years for my share of your flock. And I have not, and you've changed my wages 10 times. Now, this is where the hyperbole might be because we've got a few changes in scripture of where he changed his wages but we don't have up to 10 so he, he's he's now on a roll you know how you can get on a roll you start to, you get to embellish it you, you did it 50 million times every time I turn around you, you done said that 50 million times you done did it. He, it, it's a little bit of hyperbole he said that you done changed my wages over and over and over again you keep on messing with me you keep on messing with me and in the midst of your mess, here's the power now. He's going to his power move. He's making his power move now. He's, he's coming up off the mat. I'm about to put the move on you. I'm going to put the okie doke on you now. He says, if the God of my father, Husha, glory to his name. He said, if the God of my father, if the God of Abraham, eh, eh, the God, the one feared God, the God of Isaac, if my God had not been with me, you'd have sent me away empty-handed. But I've got God on my side. God seen my affliction. God, God seen my humiliation. God seen my labor, my exhausting labor. God, God has seen me. And if nothing else, if nothing else, if you won't accept the fact that I know who God is and that I know what God has done in this situation, God rendered his judgment against you last night in his rebuke to you. God already rebuked you. I don't have to say anything. I can sit back now. I'm just going to remind you the Lord already said. I'm going to remind you God already spoke it out. 
God already told you you can't touch me. God already told you who I am. God already told you what I mean to him. God already told you you can't speak good or bad to me. So I'm not really worried about you right now. You done messed up by letting me know that my God has already been in touch with you. I might have been a little shaky in the beginning. But once you said God spoke, all my shakiness went away. I started feeling good from that moment on. God, God has spoken. I want to tell you something. God is speaking on your behalf and whispering into the ears of your enemies right now. People you don't even know that wanted to come against you, God's speaking right now. Things that they wanted to put on you, God's speaking right now. Ways they wanted to mess up your life, God's speaking right now. Things that they said they were going to say about you, God's speaking to them. You better not speak good or bad about them. You don't have to say anything about them at all, but you better not say good or bad. You don't, don't you open your mouth. Touch not my anointed. Don't touch my anointed daughter. Don't touch my anointed son. Don't touch that. I've, I've got my hand on them. God is speaking on your behalf. You never know why folk done turn around who are mean to you. You never know why folk turn around who had already made a way and thought they were going to mess up your life and ruin your existence and God turned them around and wouldn't let them say a word. They couldn't speak good or bad because God will whisper in the ear of the enemy. Don't tell me he won't do it. He whispered in the ear of Pharaoh. He whispered in the ear of Abimelech. He whispered in the ear of Laban. God whispers in the ear of the enemy if he has to do it by dream, if he has to do it by voice, if he has to do it by fire, if he has to do it by rain. God will speak to your enemy and make your enemy your footstool and he will let the devil know you can't touch this. Get excited. The God I serve will not allow the enemy to throw me down. You don't have that kind of power, devil. Devil, you ain't got that kind of power. The God, the God we serve has all power in his hand. I feel like teaching tonight. Good God and Miss Molly, I feel an anointing. Let me, let, me, let me try to work this a little more. I'm going to close it with this last point here. I'm going to get out the way. I feel something up in this place tonight. I feel an anointment to teach. Watch this now. Watch this now. After he speaks his word to him, he puts a rebuke on him that won't wait. And then Laban comes back. I, I, before I give you the last point, Laban comes back. And with one last gasp, one last little dig, one last little opportunist point. Watch this. Let me read verse 43. I'm reading again the Amplified Version. Laban, Laban then answered Jacob, said, You see these women that you marry? Those are my daughters. These children are my grandchildren. These flocks are my flocks. And all that you see here is mine. But what can I say I do today to these my daughters or to their children to whom they have given birth? He said, wait a minute. You, 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 you. Now you're going to start acting possessive. This, this mine, this mine, this mine. Nah, bruh. Nah, bruh. This my wife. This my wife. Bone of my bone. 
flesh of my flesh. You, you may have helped bring her in the world, but, but you have to remember something. In the marriage ceremony, you brought her to me and gave her as my wife. Ooh, and God brought Eve to Adam. And get, you missed it, went over your head. This, this woman here, you talking about is under my covering. She's under my covering, my shield. I, I love Mr. Reeves, wonderful man of God and great deacon of the Lord's Church, First Baptist Church in Milford, wonderful man of God. But the moment he gave my wife to me and, and, and here in this same sanctuary, and he, that day she came under my covering. I, I, you're, you're in, the, in the my covering, we cover each other. You, you hey, the, 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 there's something about it, and you trying to make a get it. No, brother, no, 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 no. And at that moment, at that moment, there's a realization in Laban. There's a realization in that says, okay, I've I've done, I've done all I could. So here's what I want to do. Let's make an agreement. Let's make a covenant. Let's make a covenant. Let's make an agreement. And, and this, this agreement issue is really important. Because what he says is, verse 44, let's make a covenant. I, I want to make a covenant with you. But there's something here, as I, as I bring this lesson to a close, there's something here that is interesting. Because he sets up a memorial pillar. He has them gather stones to set up a memorial pillar. And they begin to mount the stones up so that it is seen. And by the time you get to verse 48 and 49, this, this place becomes like a watchtower. And, and what he says at the gathering of the stones, as they celebrate with a ceremonial meal by the mound of the stones, he says, look, this, this watchtower, this, this, this place here, it, let's have this mitzvah between us. And here's where the mitzvah comes in. You know it well. Verse 49, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. I Sometime I'm going to come back and really preach it out. I don't have time to preach that tonight. My time is almost up. But, 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 but he says, let this place be a mitzvah between us. Let this be the watchtower between us. He says, I, I need you to know, don't, don't come past this line in anger at me. And I won't go past this line in anger at you. This is, the, this is the pillar. This is the place where we set up our covenant and where we set up the way we're going to treat each other. Now he becomes father again. And as a father, he says, don't, don't mistreat my daughters. Don't humiliate them. Don't, don't, don't treat them wrong. Because I want you to know you, 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 you have God as our witness that you're going to treat them right. You're going to be kind to them. You're going to show them loving kindness. He says, verse 22, I will not pass this mound to harm you. And you will not pass this mound to harm me. 
There the mitzvah is done. There the deed is done. There's an agreement. There's a covenant set. The covenant is, is, is solidified through the meal. But there's one other thing in the text. And I go, and I go now to close with this. With all that's been done, one last important act is to swear it or to pledge it by an oath before God. And here's where the difference between the two men become really clear. Because here's what he says, Laban says, I want to swear by the God of Abraham, your father, by the God of Nabor, Nahor, my father, and the God of the image of worship, the God uh, of the image of worship of the father of, my, of their father, Terah. May that God judge between us. Now the text is clear, coming up next, that Jacob says, I have no part in all that. If we got to do all that swearing by all them gods, then this, this thing's over. Because I got but one God to, to, to pledge myself in front of. There's but one true living God. And you, you can talk all that other stuff you want. But I'm going to stick with the God that brought me thus far on the way. I'm going to stick with the God of my weary years and the God of my silent tears. Thou who hast brought us thus far all bound the way. Thou who hast by thy might led me into the light. That same God that is going to keep me forever in the path I pray. I'm going to swear by that God. The God of my understanding. The God that I know is the one true God. I ain't going by nothing else. The text says, but Jacob swore only by the one true God, the fear of his father Isaac. I got but one God to, I got but one God. I'm not trying to get into your stuff. Ain't telling you what to believe. Ain't telling you you can't believe what you want to believe. You can have your idols. You can have the God of terror. You can have all the, yeah, all them good. Do you boo boo. But right here as for me and my house we swear by one God. As for me and my house we serve the Lord. And in every conflict in your life at some point when an agreement is reached at some point when you can move forward you make sure that when it's all said and done you hold on to your faith in God not somebody else's faith not somebody else's religion but the God of your father and mother the God of Abraham Isaac Jacob Sarah Rebecca and Ruth the God that sent Jesus into the earth realm you you live by that God hold on to that God and as the old song would say hold to God's unchanging hand build all of your hopes on things eternal just hold on to God's unchanging hand and you can make it and you can live your faith even in these stressful times this is the word of God for the people of God Woo! thanks be to God well I love y'all tonight I, God bless you God bless you I hope you got something out of this word tonight I, I feel it in my bones it's in my bones There's but one true and living God and that's the one we hold on to that's that God. I love you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me in Bible study tonight.
If you listen to this broadcast tonight and you think, hey, look, I want to be a part of that ministry. I love what they're doing at Shiloh. Then I want you to become a part of us wherever you are in the world. I don't care if you live in Norwalk or Norway. Wherever you are in the world, you can become a part. Become an I member. Join us. Call us at the church. The number's on the screen, 860-443-6046, extension 110. Or email us at churchadmin at shilohnlcomplex.org. Email us. Come on and be a part of this wonderful faith. We love you. We're praying for you. And we believe in God for you. Now, saints of God, I ask that you continue to pray for one another. Keep praying for my family, um, my, all of my family, my siblings and my family members, and pray for my children, my wife, and all of us, and you, all of us as we're going through this, experiencing this in all different ways. I've got a sister all the way in Singapore, and a baby sister who's in New Haven. I've got people, kinfolk, and brother-in-laws and all. I just, just keep us in prayer. Hold us before the Lord as we get through this season of, of, of stress and grief. Uh, but our souls have often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's fair by thy return because of the sweet hours of prayer. So you keep praying for us with those sweet hours of prayer. I love you. And thank God for each one of you. Thank God for your holding on to us and holding on to God. Continue to pray for the saints that you know are sick. I ask you to continue to remember Deacon Deacon S. Daniels in your prayers. Continue praying for the Murphys and all of the saints that have been going through so many things. Deacon S. Joanne is getting ready to go in for a hip surgery. Keep her in your prayers. And I keep naming people, but I'll be on the prayer line tomorrow, 1 o'clock. Join me in prayer. Join me in prayer. Join me in prayer. Amen. 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 Thank God. And I appreciate all of you. And I love each one of you. And I thank God. And I'm so grateful for what God is doing and for how God is blessing us. You know, there's a wonderful presence of the living God that is working inside of us and that is continuing to move on our behalf. Now, as we close tonight, I want to invite you to give. Please give. Give is unto the Lord. Uh, this offering tonight, we give these out benevolently. We bless folk that have a need. Amen. We, we try to be there, be present, and you know how to give. Give Lafay, Cash App, or mail in your love offerings and let us know that uh, to put it to benevolence and we will do so. I tell people, you know, $5 goes a long ways. You just give, give as you're able, amen. I'm not trying to tell you to, to make some grandiose gesture, but, but consistent giving does wonders to keeping the ministry in line with what God is doing. Well, I bless God for each one of you, and I thank all of you on behalf of our family for the love you've shown us, the many cards and calls and just support, emails, texts, and messages from all over the country. It has been so wonderfully received. All of the Facebook messages to my baby sister, just wonderfully received, and we just appreciate it, and we love each one of you. Keep us before God. I love you with the love of the Lord. I'm getting ready to get out of here. I'll see you again soon. Look forward to hearing the word from the Lord. Sunday is a special day. We're going to have church in the house. Be here. Sign up. Get with us online. You know how to do it. Eventbrite. Be in worship with us on Sunday. And let's have church. God bless you, saints. 
I'll see you real soon. Go in peace and the peace of God go with you. And you know what I always say, it's a one word prayer. Shalom.